went through a heavy persecution in my family. My dad, he robbed me out of his will and testament. He couldn't accept that there was evangelical in a Christian home. So he sent some of the priests and people, and I don't know how many people or the known to talk to me because I was supposed to be going crazy. to another life video of ordinary people with extraordinary lives. I'm just so glad to be back and thank you to Bologna for receiving us in her home. Uh, so this is Bologna. Yeah, hi Bologna. Hi. <laughs> so, I'm just really excited to for you guys to be able to hear her testimony and we'll be hearing a little bit about the ministry of Ladies for Haiti. This is a ministry that her and her husband are doing together and uh, we'll get to hear a little bit more about that later. Before we begin with Apollonia's testimony, I would love to just read uh, this passage from uh, John chapter 12, and I will read from verses 24 to 26. Yeah. So it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And I love what uh, Pastor Jan says, uh, this is the MacArthur Study Bible, and this is what he says on his comments. Not only is the principle of death applicable to Jesus, but it is also applicable to his followers. They too, as his disciples, may have to lose their life in service and witness for him. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and that is just the basics of this. We need to be willing to give up our life for our Savior, just like uh, he gave it up for us. I'm just so thankful, Polonia, for being here uh, with you today. Very excited just to to hear what the Lord um, has done in your life. And I think I would love to start just by having you share a little bit about your life growing up. How was your upbringing and all the way to the first time that you were first introduced to the gospel? Okay. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. It is very fun to be spending time with you. <laughs> Thank you. I, I was born and raised in the Dominican Republic, mm -hmm. a country that you also love. <laughs> and I, I become from a very poor background. I grew up in one of the most horrible neighborhoods in Santo Domingo, mm -hmm. the, the capital. But I, we have a very uh, a special family. There was seven children plus mom and dad, and that's basically all that we have. My mom was an entrepreneur. She always started business, and all of us participated in the business. And when I was seven years old, I started uh, to be part of the business, and at that time, what we were doing were uh, going to very far away places to to get water 
about three in the morning. Mm. So we did that. Uh, we did that every every single day at three in the morning. All of us uh, woke up and we go and get water, and we uh, we filled uh, tanks. And then about six in the morning, we go around the neighborhood to sell the water. Wow. So that was part of uh, my first experience in a business with my mom. Uh, then we have other business selling uh, candies. I was part of that also. I got burned uh, when I was younger. I still had the mark on my skin. Wow. Uh, from that business, and then we had another business sewing. So my mom was always active, trying to to help my dad to provide uh, for the families, and all of us was part of it. Mm. Um, I was um, very uh, Catholic. Mm. My mom and dad were devout Catholic, so. Every night we spend time reading the rosary, and I remember all of us children kneeling down in front of a picture of Mary and Joseph with baby Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then we pray the rosary, and then we go to bed. That was the type of faith that my mom and dad passed on to us. Mm -hmm. As we grew older, my mom and dad also sent me to uh, Catholic school since I was in kindergarten up to 12th grade. And so I had a strong foundation. I did my first communion and I was helping um, the priest with the mass in the Catholic church. and. Uh, I was very involved in the church up to when I was a teenager. Mm. Um, uh, when I was 12 years old, I used to babysit for my neighbors, different neighbors around my neighborhood. And one of them, uh, my friend Olga, I still remember her name, she gave me a Bible. Mm. Uh, but I was not familiar with the Bible because in the Catholic Church we didn't use the Bible that much and the Mass were in Latin so we couldn't understand much uh, at that time either. Uh, so I, I kept the Bible and I think I read it for a few times but uh, I don't think I became a Christian or anything like that, but mm -hmm. I do remember that was the first kind of in encounter with something related to Christianity, being a Catholic. So then, um, as I graduated from junior high, I needed to go to a high school, and I went to a huge Catholic high school in Santo Domingo, all of the uh, teachers, basically most of them were priests mm. that came from Spain. And they taught us different classes, psychology, sociology, 
and um, philosophy and all of that. And there was one of the priests, Padre Linares, uh, priest Linares. He had a little chapel right outside in the one of the building and. Uh, at the school, um, and he allowed us to go there, so we talked to him and things like that. At that Catholic school, I met a, a, a young girl that she is the daughter of a Cuban missionary to the Dominican Republic. Wow. And uh, he was a church founder in the Dominican Republic. Um, he came to the Dominican Republic before Fidel Castro took power, and then he was never able to go back. And she was the one that introduced me to the gospel. In the Dominican Republic, the Catholic school tends to be a little bit better mm. than the public school. And those were private schools, also the Catholic school. So this uh, missionary pastor, he decided to send uh, his children there because it was a better education. So I met her there. Her name is Derma. We are still in touch. <laughs> and we talk almost weekly. Um, she shared the gospel with me during recess at the school. And I just listened to her. Um, I guess the Holy Spirit started working in my heart. Um, she invited me to a summer camp. During summer camp, all of the churches uh, do some activity with the youth. I was uh, about 17 at that time. Um, and I went to my dad and asked him if he could go to that summer camp. And wow. um, my dad said, only if you get above 80 in all of your subject. Because in the Dominican Republic, if you get above 80 in your final, then you don't have to do, um, in the second semester, you don't have to do the final. Mm. So I only had to do two finals. And my dad said yes. Wow. So that was August 20, 1975. Wow. I was so excited. All my family <laughs> got to know Derma because she used to come to my home and we study. Our study was very rigorous and, and um, we studied together. So my mom and I used to you know, got to know her and everything, and they were comfortable letting me go. So there we went. August 20, 1975, we, we, we drove about two hours to a city called uh, La Vega, a <laughs> beautiful city. I was born in La Vega. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, and in that summer camp, I remember, like, 
right now. The teacher was teaching in the book of Ephesians and he was teaching about God's grace and mercy and he just was teaching the Bible. It was so rare to me because I never heard so much teaching about the Bible like I started hearing at this summer camp. Plus, these people were so amazing. <laughs> they just love each other, and they just have fun, 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 and everything that they did, they kind of put all their might into doing it. <laughs> and uh, all of the games, because there, there was also game and competition and all of those kind of things. And I just love to see everyone loving each other and kind of caring for each other. And uh, when we had, we had lunch together and dinner together. So in that Bible study that night, I went to my, my cabin and I told the Lord that I wanted uh, him to be part of my life. The Lord used that uh, study in Ephesians to draw me to Himself. Mm. And that's when I became a believer, August 29, 1975. Wow. But things didn't end there. I went through a heavy persecution mm. uh, in my family. My dad. He wrote me out of his will and testament. He couldn't accept that there was a evangelical in a Christian home. Yeah. So he sent some of the priests and people, and I don't know how many people or the known to talk to me because I was supposedly going crazy. Yeah. And so. My dad prohibited me, prohibited me from going to church for a long time. By getting his grace, uh, used uh, their most father to come to my home. And he used to bring me uh, Bible study by mail. So that house, I was my first step being a Christian because I couldn't go to the church. My dad wouldn't allow me. Mm. So the biggest battle I went in my Christian life was like making the decision, who do I obey? My father in earth, oh my father in heaven. And, uh, and uh, it didn't hurt but that my dad and I has a beautiful relationship all our lives. My dad and I have a very strong relationship and I was sad to disappoint him. I wanted to do what he wanted me to do but at the same time, I didn't want to deny Christ. So 
So those were difficult times in my life and with my family. If I pray before my meal, my, my brother would come and steal my food and hide it somewhere. Mm. And then when I opened my eyes, there, no, there was no food there. Mm. I they were just making fun of me and making jokes and, and just trying to feel me, make me feel bad because what I, ha I have betrayed the family. And so I, I continue. Of course, on the my dad authority, and I uh, I just obey him, and I didn't go to church. Or my sister, that is five of us, they could go party, they could do everything that they wanted, but I couldn't go to church. Mm -hmm. And um, but that Bible study, but that I was doing by mail. That was what the Lord used to strengthen me. And then um, also the visit from Pastor Don Ephraim. That's what the Lord used to encourage me in the faith. And I, by the grace of God, the Lord allowed me to persevere and to continue having a desire to, to seek him and to learn from him and to, and, and to study his word. So I lost my, my best friend also. She was a Catholic and she still is today. Uh, she still sent me things and picture of Mary and videos. I just got some this past week. She never had gotten used. Um, she never, she never can comprehend why I abandoned the Catholic Church. But it is a difficult thing to understand when God transforms the heart of a sinner. It is a difficult thing to understand. People don't understand it, but we know, we know what goes on, how the Holy Spirit transforms us, and all our desires are no longer there, but the desire, the new desires that God put on us, and all things, path away and then new things start happening in our life that we want to do to uh, to obey and, 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 and to live our Christian life with only one purpose to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Amen. Throughout all of that time more than that, kind of years passed and years passed. Then that allowed me to go to the to church because he um, he already saw that I was a, a not 
I wasn't going to renounce the Christian faith. And he allowed me to go to church and I started growing in the Lord and I started being part of the youth group and I started um, learning a lot and I started doing a summer Bible Bible school and we would go with another sister from the church, Sister Gloria, and we had a mega fun and we go to the Buddhist area in Santo Domingo and we start singing song and pretty song. We have about probably 30 kids in front of us and then we do the Bible lesson there. And then my um, my pastor disciple me and uh, and we will go to different neighborhood and teach uh, a, a Sunday school in different neighborhood every single Saturday. Wow. And we go door to door evangelism and to the other sister from our church work as nurses at the prison. Uh, so I got to go to the prison ministry and share with the prisoner there also. And we had a, a little interchange between prisoners and us. Ladies from the church will write back and then to the prisoners. So a lot of things were going on, and the Lord was using all of the time to kind of grow me and grow me and uh, be part of His church. And uh, I, I one time asked my dad if he can have a Bible study at home, and and my dad reluctantly said yes. And that was amazing. So I was so excited. I was jumping and I went all around the neighborhood inviting everyone. <laughs> and we had about 30, 40 people in my little home attending the Bible study. And one of our youth leaders, he will come um, and teach the Bible study. Wow. And then Pastor Ephraim also, my pastor Ken, and share the word of God with my mom and dad for many, many, many years, many, many years. And um, and that's how I always spent my life after I became a Christian. I was only busy about the kingdom. I was only um, not busy for the sake of being busy. I wanted to to serve the Lord with joy and gladness and any opportunity that the Lord put in my hands, I wanted to serve Him with excellence and uh, I wanted to excel still more and, uh, you know, teaching the kids in the barrio or, <laughs> or going to the prison or going to the hospital. We also used to go to the hospital. Wow. And so, those were beautiful years. I will never change those years for anything else. Mm -hmm. uh, the beginning of my uh, Christianity, and uh, I became part of the leadership of the youth group, and uh, I discipled uh, young girls. I had two daughters in the faith. One of them live in Michigan. She married a pastor, and they have a church there. And then I also 
uh, took children from our neighborhood and uh, took them to church every Sunday. Wow. I was always <laughs> surrounded by children. <laughs> and I taught Sunday school also mm -hmm. at church. And uh, incredibly that and how awesome is God to those girls that I used to take to church. Uh, uh, her, their mom left uh, to Venezuela and they were kind of homeless. So I kind of adopted them in those years and um, there was four of them. And I think uh, about five years ago, after 30 years, I learned that both of those girls have become Christian. Wow, praise God. And that was such a joy for me. Yeah. That was such a joy and they encouraged my heart to know that the word of God will never come back empty. Mm -hmm. And then my mom confessed Christ when she was 83, bedridden. She was never able to practice her faith because she was paralyzed at this time. I couldn't work. But what a joy to see mom. And to know I lost my mom two years ago, or a year and a half ago, and, um, and just to know that I'm gonna see her in heaven. Mm -hmm. What a joy, I prayed for her for so many, many years. But it was in the Lord perfect timing. That was in the Lord perfect timing, and the same way that it was in the Lord perfect timing when he drew me to himself and I repented from my sin mm -hmm. and came back to to know him. So that's a little bit about mm -hmm. my testimony. Just first of all, the first part that you mentioned that uh, you were basically being persecuted in your own home, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because your family was against of you converted into Christianity. Sometimes we think that, you know, persecution will only come like when missionaries are in other countries and they're mm -hmm. murdered. And yes, you know, there are so many people in this day that they are um, dying, that they're giving up their life for sharing the gospel in other mm -hmm. countries, that they're sharing the gospel, you know? And sometimes it happens just even with the people closest to us. Mm -hmm. You know, that because they can't understand why is it that, you know, this change, why is this change? They can understand that. And I remember that those beginning years, those Bible studies that we had in our home, and also my oldest brother, the one that used to make fun of me and, and hide my food when I was praying, he became a Christian. He's a pastor wow. and a church planter. He had planted about 17 churches. He's totally dedicated to the service of the Lord. And my sister, uh, uh, two of my sisters are reading the Bible now. And my older sister say that the Lord has humbled her. Mm. And that she's, she's is looking to get to know the Lord and that she gonna start going to a Christian church. I'm still praying for three of my sisters and one of my brothers. 
that God has been working in each one of their lives in different ways. I am just so grateful for just the work of the Lord in your life. And I know that you and your husband are also part of Grace Community Church. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you both have um, been uh, working on this ministry called Ladies for Haiti and Pastors also the pastors of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just tell me, can you just share with, that, with us a little bit about how did you guys come up with uh, this idea of Ladies for Haiti and what is the main goal of Ladies for Haiti? Uh, first of all, let me tell you that uh, I met my husband at my office in the Dominican Republic. He was a missionary to the Dominican Republic right after he graduated from the University of Hillary in Hawaii. Mm. He took a plan and he just put to the service of the Lord whatever the skill that he had. As a, um, he was an agricultural engineer or something like that. Mm-hmm. So he always had the desire to come back to the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, I homeschooled my children all the way through high school, um, but I also always have the desire for my children to learn the Spanish language. And I wanted to do that right before they st- my oldest study high school. So we went, uh, for my oldest study high school, I took my whole family, except for my husband, because he needed to work, he joined us the last uh, six weeks of the trip. Mm-hmm. So I took the children and I signed them up in a school that was part of the church in Santo Domingo. Mm-hmm. And we stayed there for four and a half months. Mm-hmm. So they can learn Spanish by immersion. Mm-hmm. I used to work for a big company, or not a big company, it was a Christian organization called Food for the Hungry. Mm. So they opened doors for for me and for the children to do any type of ministry that we wanted to do. I was the secretary to my pastor, my former pastor in Dominican Republic, his name is Angel Castillo. And he had a, a program training Haitian pastors. Mm-hmm. And while we were there, my husband uh, was there during the Christmas time. Uh, Pastor Castillo was bringing gifts uh, to the Haitian that he was training. Mm-hmm. So we tagged along with Pastor Castillo and uh, Pastor Castillo was bringing beans and rice and oils and spaghetti <laughs> as Christmas gift to the pastors in Haiti. And we tagged we tag along with him, and that was the first time that we went to Haiti. Wow. My three children and my husband went with uh, everything. There was another pastor, also Pastor Guzman, that he along with another friend, Jean-Pierre Cowas, they were working with pastors in Haiti. At that time, they already knew in the Dominican Republic that the French MacArthur Study Bible 
was going to be out in 2007. And so they wanted so bad a French MacArthur Study Bible. So they sent so many messages to Pastor MacArthur. They did a video uh, which I put in Pastor MacArthur's hand on a Sunday night at Grace Community Church with a letter with this pastor begging for Bible. Wow. And uh, that's basically how Lady for Haiti started in 2006. So uh, Pastor MacArthur uh, sent the, the letters to Grace to You, but it just happened that Grace to You didn't have the right for the Bible that the Geneva Bible Society and the Geneva was the one that had the right to publish the French MacArthur okay. Study Bible. So there was no money. Every time my husband went to Haiti, he came home with tears in his eye. Mm. We need Bible. That was his cry, we need Bible. I'm home raising three children, you know, along with my husband, homeschooling them, so that took most of my date and everything. I thought I didn't know what to do. So one day I said, so, okay, let's do a fundraiser <laughs> to buy Bible. <laughs> I just wanted to make my husband happy. So I talked to Tom Chaffinch. He was the director of Grace Community School. There was a school before at Grace. It was Grace Community School. And my children were part of the homeschool school program of Grace Community School. So we were there every Friday. So I talked to the director of my, of my homeschool school group, which was uh, Dennis Plain and Jocelyn Devaney. And then I talked to, uh, after they approved it, I talked to Tom Chaffin. He was the director of the school. Uh, he said it was okay. So what I did was I wrote a letter and I told the people the purpose of the money that we were uh, trying to raise. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we got permission to give a letter to every one of the parents. Mm -hmm. And... Um, there was, we wanted to raise about $4,000. Wow. And this is the first fundraiser. That was the first fundraiser. November of 2006. The Bible was coming out in 2007. Wow. So we needed to have some money <laughs> to get those Bibles. They were desperate. Oh, when we went to Haiti, we, we just saw how desperate they were. They had nothing and as far as spiritual training they had no spiritual training there is no at that time they just I don't know how they survived there was no good material for them mm -hmm. to be able there is a lot of prosperity gospel 
and lots of Jehovah Witnesses, a lots of Mormon, and lots of everything. Their language is Creole, but they read in French. And there is only one translation of half of the Bible in them in the Creole language that I understand. I think it might be more now uh, because it's been almost 20 years since that, or 15 years. That's how we got, the church also her pass at that time. We stunned the money to, to buy the Bible. And interesting enough, um, we have, um, in one of the Chipper Conference in 2007, March, I think it was March of 2007, and John Glass did a French Connection meeting, and my husband was there, and the former uh, missionary pastor, Kevin Edwards, was there. And Kevin Edwards was my husband, kind of mentor in this type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so my husband got to talk to John Glass, and John Glass put us in contact. John Glass is a great church missionary in um, uh, Switzerland. Mm-hmm. He put us in contact with the Geneva Bible Society. Wow. And we were able uh, to buy the Bible from them. At that time, we learned that the the French translation of the MacArthur Study Bible were basically done for you know some part of Africa that speak French, uh, Canada, and Haiti, um, the and that most of the country that. In Africa, in Haiti, a very poor country. Pastor MacArthur gave a grant so the Bible could be very affordable price. So we bought the Bible for about $8 each. The only thing that killed us was the, the chipping and handling because the Bible would come from Switzerland or from from uh, they are made now in Belarus. They will come from now from Belarus to uh, to Florida, mm-hmm. and then from Florida to Port-au-Prince, and then from Port-au-Prince to the different parts of Haiti. And you guys have been doing the um, a boutique basically every November right now, right? Yes. So yeah. uh, you guys do a boutique, and I've seen uh, this is basically to raise funds, the same, right? To ra- raise funds to be able to buy more Bibles and send it over to Haiti. Yes. Our first fundraisers in 2006 was uh, about $4,000. And last year we raised about $22,000. Wow. And every single penny go to buy Bibles. But you know, it is not only one person anymore. I mean, there is, we call ourselves the Women of the Great Commission. <laughs> it's a big group of women just coming alongside you from Grace Community Church who are oh, very yeah. involved and just starting with you, right, to do this, this fundraiser, right? And now. These women, I just love their passion for the Lord. 
I learn so much from every one of these women. They are just so humble and so wanting to serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what it is, if I need or if anybody needs the curtain to be or the tablecloth to be iron, they will iron. If somebody needs to sweep over here so things could look nice and things like that. There is huge amount of women working in this project and the boutique is actually things that are donated also from people yes from the church people are donating things that they probably mm -hmm. are not using at home if you want to see how they just organize this boutique which i've been to and it's so beautiful uh you can go to ladies for haiti and instagram if they want to make any donations to for mm -hmm. ladies for haiti which is again this is to um, to basically buy, purchase Bibles for pastors in Haiti that they mm -hmm. don't have the resources to do it. We have an organization called Pastors of the Caribbeans, mm -hmm. and if anyone wants to donate to Our Lady for Haiti, they can go to pastorsofthecaribbean.org. 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 Yeah, <laughs> and okay. they they could donate whatever the yeah. Lord put in their hands to, mm -hmm. to give and um, we all were appreciative for anything. We get a lot of things. We normally ask people to donate things. Um, people are extremely generous. You can check Ladies for Haiti but you can also go to pastorsofcaribbean.org Mm -hmm. And um, if you want to make any donation, and, and not necessarily money, but you can donate things that you don't want at home. The Lord is um, working His church. Mm -hmm. um, the Lord is growing His church. We just are a tool that the Lord uses to be able to to bring the Word of God to this man. So we are praying that the Lord and His wisdom that you know, to let us know when it would be the time to do that. Obviously, mm -hmm. it was not his time. But everything is for his own glory and he has a timing for mm -hmm. for everything. I would like you to tell me, what are three things that brings you joy? For the joy of the Lord is my strength. Nehemiah 8.10 mm -hmm. It brings me joy to read the Bible and to learn about Christ, to learn about his love and his character, to learn about how he is our healer, to learn about that he is the beginning and the end. We are here in this present time. We don't know what's going to happen a second from now, but he does.